What does Keaton Slovis need to show in spring ball to make BYU fans believe he is actually the guy for BYU going into 2023 in this fall? We'll talk about that. And also, a new update with regards to the Big 12 and Pac-12. A former Pac-12 coach believes that the Pac-12 could very much be in trouble. We're talking about all of that on today's show. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys checking out the show. Title sponsor of today's show is our friends over at FanDuel. This episode of Locked On Cougars is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Got a lot to cover on today's show, obviously, but we continue our look ahead to BYU Spring Ball beginning next Monday. And we've talked already about how BYU needs to use their time effectively overall as a team and also how running backs that are currently with BYU and not injured will have to take advantage of the opportunity this upcoming spring. One guy who is coming in from the transfer portal and needs to show well in spring ball, though, is Keaton Slovis. Obviously, the transfer from Pitt, formerly before that of USC. BYU is banking a lot of their potential success in 2023 on him becoming what they envision he can become. We probably wonder, okay, Jake, what is BYU vision he can become. They think that he can get back to being more of what he was at USC, especially early on during his time as a Trojan, versus what he showed last year at Pitt, which was a very, very average Power 5 quarterback at the very best, maybe below average if you really want to be honest about it. So, the biggest thing for him this spring is obviously he's got to get the system down. He's got to be able to understand how Aaron Roderick likes to go about his play calling. He's got to understand the playbook. Uh, the way I understand it, having some conversations with folks who are more in the know on what happened with his recruitment, he actually was in very close communication with BYU staff as well as guys like Jaron Hall. Even before he officially announced his commitment, getting up to speed as much as he could on BYU's offense, how they ran things, getting the playbook down. So he should be up to speed and ready to go once camp opens on Monday. The bigger thing from him this spring is to show the leadership leadership qualities, I should say, and go out there and prove to his uh, teammates that he can lead them this season. Obviously, BYU's had a really nice run of quarterbacks recently. Zach Wilson going to the NFL. Jaron Hall on his way to join him in the NFL. And now Keaton Slovis is hoping that his one-year stint at BYU will yield the same result and get him getting his name potentially called in the NFL draft next year. Will that ultimately transpire? Only time will tell. We have many, many months to dig into that and obviously watch this upcoming season. But this spring, all he needs to focus on really is making sure that he and his teammates are on the same page. He can go out there and make the throws that are requisite to make sure that he can truly be the guy to lead BYU's offense into their Big 12 era. The one thing I actually don't fear in terms of uh, question marks about Keaton Slovis is his ability uh, to... uh, I'm trying to say he's got the ability to not be flustered by the situation. Now, other quarterbacks who are on BYU's roster or who have recently left BYU have never played a full Power 5 schedule. I know guys like Zach Wilson, 
especially Jaron Hall, have played what I like to term Power 5 adjacent uh, schedules where they've played 5, 6, 7 Power 5 opponents. But this year, it's 10 Power 5 opponents. The one advantage that Keaton Slovis should have is that he has never played a season as a G5 or otherwise in his collegiate career. His entire career has been a high-level Power 5 football, so the day-in and day-out grind of that level of football should not be a surprise to him. It may be a surprise to some of his teammates, speaking frankly, but the nice part is he can get some words of wisdom to those guys about how to handle their business because he's been through these wars. He's been through all the different situations that you can have put him through. The biggest thing for him also this spring is to go out there and show that his touch, his ability to make all the throws all over the field is not gone. This is a guy early on in his career at USC before suffering a shoulder injury was able to attack all parts of the field deep ball intermediate routes short uh short the short passing game all of it was capable with his arm he has shown still the ability to get the ball downfield and has actually pretty nice touch especially even uh going back to his film at Pitt. he has the ability to get the ball downfield but the bigger thing for him is to make sure that he gives Aaron Roderick and the rest of the BYU offensive coaching staff, Fessy Satake among them as the passing game coordinator, the confidence coming out of spring that, yes, we made the right decision. Because I've had conversations with folks down there in Provo that they firmly believe that Keaton Slovis was among, if not the top transfer portal quarterback out there. And they really think that what he showed at Pitt is like like a sliver of what he's capable of actually doing for the BYU football program. So the hope is this spring, he starts to really show what he's capable of doing, gets back to being more of what he was at USC, and as a result, BYU can feel far more comfortable going into this Big 12 era, having him at the helm of this offense. Obviously, guys like Jake Retzlaff, who are figured to be his backup, at least competing for the backup role, if not the outright starting role, alongside guys like Cade Fennigan and uh, Nick Billups, they'll obviously be in the mix here, but it really feels like it's a one-man race. I know that Kalani Satake, Aaron Roderick, Fessy Satake to a man will tell us in media sessions, open competition. We're allowing all guys to compete. And I, really, if Jake Retzleff is capable of translating what he did at the junior college level to the high power five level, the high level of football BYU is going into, there's no reason to think that he can't compete. But he may be a little bit more behind the eight ball because he hasn't played at this level like Keaton Slovis. So my money is on Keaton Slovis being the guy this year. You don't bring him in without essentially saying that you are going to be the guy, but without saying it, you, you won't necessarily guarantee it. But you tell him, hey, you got, you, you're the odds on favorite to be the guy. He's only got one year of eligibility remaining. He wants to make the most of it, and he would like to make it three for three for Aaron Roderick as BYU's offensive coordinator in terms of quarterbacks going to the NFL. Time will tell, like I said, if that's going to play out this season for a guy like Keaton Slovis. But the bigger thing at hand here for BYU is using this spring very effectively for him to get up to speed, get on the same page as his teammates, and build a rapport that he can carry on into the offseason, obviously getting ready for training camp upcoming. All right, coming up next, more on the Pac-12 versus Big 12 debate going on. Uh, some former Pac-12 coaches have sounded off in a column, uh, or an article at least, by Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports. And one of the comments in there in particular, to me, screams everything that might be going on with the Pac-12 is not all hunky-dory, as some might have you believe it is. We'll get to all of that in just a moment. First, a word on our friends over at FanDuel. FanDuel's been with us uh, for a couple of months now, my friends, and the midway point of the NBA season has just passed. We're coming down the home stretch of the 
regular season, getting ready for the playoffs. And now is the perfect time to download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's America's number one sportsbook. And get started with FanDuel today. The best part about FanDuel is they let you uh, have any opportunity to bet on whatever it might be. Prop bets, spread, uh, money lines, no matter what you're looking for. And by the way, it doesn't have to be NBA. It can be any other sport out there. Baseball with spring training underway. They've got it covered for you. Just download the FanDuel Sports app today. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And then you can bet on anything and everything you're looking to do. So don't miss out on the chance to get your no-sweat first bet from our friends over at FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started and to learn more now. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys checking out the show. Want to remind you guys, make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. It's everything you need to know about college hoops in one place. Hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players alike. That's Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. All right, so I was uh, preparing for today's show, and as you probably can tell if you're watching this on YouTube and the audio quality probably doesn't sound necessarily as clear as it typically does, I'm actually doing this show remotely. I had some extra work to do at my radio station, so I decided with uh, some, a break in some of the action, i just pull out my laptop and grab my remote recording gear that I use from time to time and just knock out an episode while I've got some downtime. So that's why maybe the video quality is not necessarily as clear as it is in the past and the audio quality may be a touch lower than you typically are used to, but thank you for bearing with us. But as I was preparing for this show, Dennis Dodd had a new article come out, and Dennis has been all over this, covering the Pac-12 media rights negotiations. He's been on my radio station, the KSL Sports Zone, multiple times talking about this. Uh, but he ha- caught up with four former coaches in the Big 12. One of them is Mike Bellotti, who obviously was an AD, an assistant coach, and a head coach at Oregon over two-plus decades. He also talked with Rick Neuheisel, who was at UCLA, one of the programs that's actually leaving the Pac-12 to go to the Big 10. Also, uh, Dennis Dennis Erickson, former Utah assistant, obviously a head coach at Washington State, Oregon State, and Arizona State. And then finally, Rich Rodriguez, uh, currently of Jacksonville State, which is making the transition to Division I status, but he had spent time at Arizona. And the biggest thing I was interested in was some of the comments from these coaches because they are guys who have been on the ground. They have coached most of these guys either in the Pac-10, or well, they all were in the Pac-10, but also the Pac-12 era, especially for Rich Rod. Uh, in the article, he is quoted here: "Rich Rod is qualified to speak about the situation as, as qualified to speak about the situation as anyone. One of the modern fathers of the zone read spread offense was the offensive coordinator for undefeated Tulane in 1998. Then West Virginia came within a game of the BCS championship in 2000 BCS championship game in 2007 under Rodriguez. But then he went to the Pac-12 for the same reason as scores of other coaches. There was something special about the talent, the vibe, the weather, and the possibilities on the left." coast but then here's the quote what is stopping Oregon and Washington from going to the Big Ten and from Arizona and Arizona State going to the Big 12 I would think they're teetering on the brink right now this is a guy like I said who coached at Arizona he is in Division One football still to this day. He's a highly thought of offensive mind. He may be a you-know-what in terms of his off-the-field behavior because his time at Arizona ended in ignominious fashion, but his comments right there kind of stick out. And it says that Rich Rod has no specific knowledge, and to be fair, we've seen example after example of other coaches pontificating to Noah Vell. However, his comments reflect the perception of the Pac-12 at the moment. Uh, Bilotti also says this about the Big 12. They were caught completely, totally off guard 
regard, speaking of the Pac-12. As we all know now, they're scrambling to catch up and try to get this media rights deal on track to keep the existing members happy and others that might bring in viewership. This big thing for the Pac-12 right now is these coaches, they have coached in this conference. They know the value this conference can be. But the other issue at hand right now for these for these conferences is, or for this conference, speaking of the Pac-12, is that the situation at hand is that they need to get out of their own way, it feels like. There's another quote here from Rodriguez. I know most everybody can get ESPN Plus or the streaming things. You're not going to have it in bars. Your visibility will never be the same ever. Then there's just the perception. Oh, you guys played? I didn't see it. And then you won't be talked about. That is the concern if you're the Pac-12 right now, is if you go out there and try and think that you are going to be relevant, you're going to be seen all over the country, but you're going to stake your claim with going with... Ion, as Brett McMurphy has talked about, or you're going to go with Apple TV, uh, Amazon. Even if you're on ESPN in that late night window alone with just a couple of games with your other games, potentially on your own network or on a streaming service. As Rich Rod said, if you are unavailable to the lay fan who is just flipping around on the television and, and sees your game and stumbles upon it, you're not going to get that anymore. That's the concern for the Pac-12, and that's why, speaking of the Big 12, things are about as good as you could have hoped for because the Big 12 right now has their media rights locked in, and they're going to be seen on linear TV. Both Fox and ESPN were quite eager to hop in on these media rights. Did the Big 12 take a discount, uh, maybe? Yes, probably, because they're going to be uh, far behind in terms of relative overall dollar amounts than what the Big 10 and the SEC are, but I think that the Big 12 and Brett Yormark understand that they have to assert themselves and prove themselves on a national stage. The Big 10 and the SEC right now, they are the big dogs. They have proven themselves time and time and time again in terms of their overall viewership numbers. The Big 12 without a quote-unquote blue blood in the conference is going to have to go out and develop that and prove themselves to be that parody-driven league that on any given weekend potentially you can see an upset. And that will draw viewers, by the way. You obviously want to have dominant players in the conference. That's probably going to take some time for some of these Big 12 programs to assert themselves. I would have thought going into 2023 that Oklahoma State was poised to be one of those big dogs uh, for the Big 12. They had an an awful season relative to their expectations and the off the field situation this offseason for Mike Gundy has been horrendous. Texas Tech might be trending up, but we've not seen them really ascend to the top of the Big 12. We all saw at Baylor what they did two years ago winning the conference, but they slumped to 6-6 six and six this past year. What, what are they capable of doing under Dave Aranda? The nice part is, if you're a BYU fan, is that the Big 12, at least on paper right now, doesn't have a quote-unquote Leviathan or a Goliath that is going to stand in your way of competing. I've said it once, I'll say it again, the Big 12 is in a fantastic spot relative to where they were just over a year ago. There have been so many people, so many doomsayers for so many years for this conference, and you can think back to some of the articles that have been written over the past decade plus about the Big 12. If they were to lose Texas and Oklahoma, they would just implode and you have to find your new conference home. Well, the Big 12 has now asserted themselves and maybe has established themselves as the third best conference in the country. We'll see what happens with the ACC. Meanwhile, the Pac-12 has kind of assumed the spot that the Big 12 has been sitting in for many, many years. Speaking of the conference that most people pick to die off. There have been prognosticators, media talking heads, etc. for years. And I've talked with many of them that have thought that eventually the highest level of football was going to drop to a four-conference setup where you'd have a regional setup in four different spots of the country. It screams to me right now that the Big Ten and the SEC are actually going to cut that down just to two going down the road. But the Big 12, at least for the time being, 
is in a fantastic spot. And these coaches, speaking of these Pac-12 coaches, speaking with Dennis Dodd, you can tell they're uneasy. And these aren't guys that are in the room. Let's be very clear about that. They're not going to be in there uh, talking with these ta- uh, chancellors and university presidents because they don't work for these schools they used to work for. But like Rick Neuheisel said, quote, you'll be forced to explain it all the time in recruiting, speaking of uh, going on streaming and maybe going in, ter- in terms of some off-the-beaten-path type setup to watch TV. You probably could find some NIL deal with Apple that could subsidize the cost of the- to the family but we be cumbersome to say the least. These coaches know what the power of television and being able to be seen by your recruits, their families, prospective student athletes. It is so critical to have that. Uh, Dennis Erickson, quote, it's nice when you can turn on a regular channel and not worry about that other stuff. I think we'll hurt them in recruiting, no question. Brett Yormark, I continue to sing this guy's praises. He may be a, a, a shyster. You may think he's a slick Rick from New York. But what he has done is he has essentially come in and in a very, very short period, he actually started working before he officially took over as a Big 12 commissioner and went about trying to assert the Big 12 and their future right away. You as a BYU fan out there or just a Big 12 fan in general should be very thankful that the Big 12 identified Brett Yormark. He was interested in this job, and he got the job done. The, and I, I sound like a broken record because I do this almost every day on this podcast, but like Rick Neuheisel said, he does a Sirius XM show that I have heard many, many times, and he talks about this daily. The Pac-12 versus Big 12 d- dynamic is not dying down anytime soon, and until the Pac-12 gets a media rights deal in place, it's not going to die down. It is going to continue to be a conversation because there's going to be speculation that Brett Yormark is plotting to go and nab somebody. Uh, Mac Rhodes, the Baylor AD, was on Sikkim 365 radio. This goes back, I think, maybe late last week or earlier, earlier this week. They said that the Big 12 needs to be ready if and when the Pac-12 implodes to make a move. That screams to me that they are having conversations about, okay, if this happens, we're doing that. Or if that happens, we're going here. Or if this happens, we're going to invite these schools. I think the Big 12 has all kinds of plans and just goals in mind. But the bigger thing is the Pac-12, if they want to solidify themselves, they have got to get, they have got to get this media rights deal done. And the longer it drags on, you're starting to see a lot of these quote-unquote talking heads that are these Pac-12 homers starting to change their tune a little bit, saying turn up the heat on George Klyovkov. Get it done. Get it done. You need to get this media rights deal done. Well, they do need to get it done. But the bigger situation at hand is – Everything that is coming out with regards to this, whether you believe all the reporting or not, is that the Pac-12 is kind of wading through some uncharted waters and trying to plot their own course. Will it yield what they're looking for? I've got my doubts. But until they get the deal done, continue to have, uh, continue to expect to have this conversation ongoing here on this podcast on a, and on a bevy of other shows slash podcasts out there in the college football universe. All right, coming up here in a minute, I've got two other things to get to before today's show. BYU extended an offer to a member of the 2025 recruiting class. And I know that 2025 seems like, like a long way off in recruiting, but this young man is from a local high school and his film is absolutely phenomenal. We'll break that down. We'll also look back at a big win over Boise State for BYU as our look back at all 155 independent football games 
rolls on. Today's show is brought to you in part by our friends over at UCCU. They've opened a new branch in Vineyard, my friends, and to celebrate, they're giving away a 2023 Kawasaki Terex for UTV. Vineyard is one of the fastest growing cities in the state of Utah, as we all know, and the new branch offers all the benefits of a UCCU branch. Multiple drive-up lanes, a 24-hour ATM, and UCCU's new interactive telemachines, or ITM for short, which provides all the benefits of meeting with a real-life UCCU professional, either in the branch or right in your vehicle. It's a virtual connection to a remote teller with a highly personalized audio and video connection. So to celebrate the vineyard, excuse me, the new vineyard UCCU branch, enter to win that 2023 Terex UTV. The winner will be announced in April just in time for some summer fun. Stop by UCCU's new branch and vineyard today, conveniently located next to the Megaplex Theaters and Top Golf, or enter at uccu.com. You do not have to be a member of UCCU to enter, and the best part is there's no purchase necessary. That's UCCU. Love where you bank. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. You guys are absolutely phenomenal, and thank you for your support of the podcast, as always. By the way, I should say happy March to you all. Uh, It doesn't really feel like March here in the state of Utah. Still so much snow incoming, and also just overall, we've been getting absolutely pounded. But nonetheless, hope you guys are having a great start to to the third month of the year. All right, before we go on today's show, I've got two things we need to talk about here. First off, BYU extended an offer to uh, Jerome Miles out of West Jordan High School. Uh, he is the latest athlete to be offered a scholarship by BYU. And he, while he may be a member of the 2025 recruiting class, and folks, that's two recruiting classes out, he will be actually be, just be a junior this upcoming season for West Jordan. This is a kid who has got uh, just a man's body. They list him at six foot three, but even if he's six foot two, 190 to 195 pounds, depending on which recruiting service you look at. If you watch this young man's film, he is a smooth operator. That's what I love about him is as a sophomore, he has played uh, now uh, t- two years of varsity football, has logged 12 games of action. He hauled in 34 receptions for 699 yards based on the stats that I saw, along with eight touchdowns. His average per catch on receptions, 20.6 yards per reception. And he obviously runs a lot of deep routes, but what I loved about this is every time he got like a free release watching his huddle highlights, when he was going downfield, very few cornerbacks could keep up with this kid. Rem- reminder, he was just a sophomore this past season. He's going up against some very high-level athletes in the 5 and 6A ranks in the state of Utah, and he was blowing by some of these guys and catching passes, using his body to shield off defenders in other routes. And the b- best part is, it wasn't all just go routes. It wasn't nine routes for him all game long. He showed the ability to run digs, uh, post ends, uh, post corners. The, the nice part is he has got a very advanced route tree already, and the nice part is BYU hopped on this early. He has received that offer along with the University of Utah sending an offer to him as well. I also saw one other offer for him. Uh, I can't remember what it was off the top of my head. I'll see if I can find it as we continue this conversation here. Oh, Washington State. That's what it was. The Washington State Cougars also offering Jerome Miles. I, I, like I said, I don't know much about this young man. I have to do some more digging into his background to see uh, what BYU's chances with him are. But what I love is he is just a smooth athlete. The whole adage that slow is, uh, excuse me, smooth is fast, it's exactly what Jerome Miles is. His ability to just make plays and make it look easy as a sophomore in high school 
This is a very high-level athlete. And the crazy thing about this is he also lists himself as a free safety. He played some defense while also being the kicker for West Jordan. He's not a very refined kicker as a very rudimentary style, but he's got the ability to boot it. I saw a couple of kickoffs from his huddle highlights where he kicked it halfway into the end zone. That's phenomenal stuff. He is a multi-faceted, multi-talented athlete, and BYU would do well to stay on him in this recruiting process. Like I said, long way to go. The 2025 recruiting class is a full two years out. He'll only be a junior this upcoming season, but uh, Fessy Satake, who, according to the tweet from Jerome Miles, offered him the scholarship, obviously sees something in this young man. And a guy like Fessy Satake with the wide receivers he's developed in recent years should have as good an argument to go into the Miles household and speak with Jerome about coming to BYU and just make the pitch because he has proven himself to develop elite talent. And this sure looks like, uh, excuse me, sure looks like that Jerome Miles is going to be one of the top local athletes in coming seasons. Now, one other note before. Before we go on today's show is another look back at another game in BYU football history. And this was a huge game for BYU as they welcome in the Boise State Broncos to Provo on October 25th, 2013. Taysom Hill was just absolutely rocking and rolling at this point. BYU was 5-2 coming into the game against Boise State, who was also 5-2. And, and it was just a huge opportunity because Taysom, a guy that's from the state of Idaho, obviously from Eastern Idaho in Pocatello versus uh, Western Idaho, where Boise State is located. But uh, Boise State just couldn't get things going, and BYU made life miserable for the Broncos in a 37-20 win. The bigger thing uh, for BYU in this was that Taysom Hill had a phenomenal game leading BYU's offense. He ends up going 27-41 for 339 yards passing, three touchdowns against zero interceptions. The previous game, if you recall, it was a 47-46 shootout win where he had four touchdowns but also three interceptions that really hurt BYU. He also added 69 rushing yards in this game to go over the 400 yard mark for the second straight game. Four total touchdowns after he added one on the ground. Jamal Williams also had 107 yards rushing. BYU had early struggles for most of their time as a, as a program going up against Boise State. The Broncos had pretty much owned this series against the Cougars. This was a phenomenal, phenomenal performance for BYU, more importantly for the defense. They forced four turnovers, three of them on consecutive drives in the second half as they pulled away for the win. Just really, really important for BYU. They also ended, uh, I was reading this in the Associated Press article, BYU ended Boise State's 50-game October winning streak that had dated back to 2001. Think about that. They had not lost a game in the month of October in 12 plus years and BYU snaps it at Lavelle Edwards Stadium and at this point BYU moves to 6-2 and two on the season and suddenly the struggles of the early part of the season where they started 2-2 two and two were gone the good vibes were rolling and BYU had a bye week before they headed up to Camp Randall to take on the Wisconsin Badgers and we'll talk about that on tomorrow's edition of the podcast a game that I actually was in attendance at I went to Camp Randall's to watch this game and we'll talk about that on tomorrow's show so thank you once again for making us your first listen of the day you guys are absolutely phenomenal thank you for all your support now go make your second listen our friends over at the Locked On Big 12 podcast. Josh Neighbors has got you covered top to bottom with everything going on in the Big 12 conference. Get that available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. We'll be back in my regular studio tomorrow, but until then, have a great rest of your day, my friends. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See ya.